and it might bring down your sales maybe to 7 million but now these are more profitable and you'll actually have money to spend on these marketing campaigns and Hey everybody, it's Norm Ferrar, aka The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing a topic we've never talked about, but it's so important. How to scale an e-commerce business past a growth plateau. We'll also be talking about how to break through these growth plateaus uh, and how to get additional sales uh, by using these strategies. And these are simple strategies that are going to help your brand avoid exhaustion and advice that helps promote work-life balance. All right. Welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Okay. Today, like I said, how to scale an e-commerce company past their growth plateau. Our guest is the founder of the Tajay, and I hope I said that, Marine correctly, Tajay Foundation. She's a renowned brand growth expert dedicated to teaching product-based entrepreneurs. She has also mastered billion-dollar brand-building strategies using real data to drive multi-million-dollar growth. Today, first-time guest, Marine Mwange. Oh my gosh, I said it right. Okay, that's a first. All right, now let's have a word from our sponsor. This episode of Lunch with Norm is sponsored by VAA Philippines. Looking for a high-quality virtual assistant for your business? With the rigorous screening, intensive Amazon and Walmart training, and ongoing professional development, get the peace of mind with skill and motivated virtual assistants for a long-term working relationship. Hire through VAA today and now let's get back to the show. Welcome, Maureen. Thank you for having me here. You're welcome. So now, you know, no pressure, but uh, just saying you might have to join that WhatsApp group. Oh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll check and look into it. I also look into the event you talked about, the online sellers event, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. If it's, it's a really great, um, not only it's a, a, an event, but can you imagine just being trapped on a ship with, with you know, 200 people and you're going out to dinner and lunch and then you're going on excursions with them? Uh, you just you, you come out after that week with a whole bunch of new friends. So, right. yeah, as, as entrepreneurs, that's what we need. Sometimes it can be very lonely, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. OK, we are talking about how to scale your business uh, while well, getting past that that growth plateau. And I've seen it. I've been involved with a lot of companies that you have this hyper growth at the beginning. Yeah. You're moving. You're, you're you're like you've got tons of sales coming out of the door, but then all of a sudden, it's either that might be in fourth quarter, or it just might be because you have a new product that people love. But all of a sudden, you see this plateau. Yeah. February till whenever, yeah. and how do you get out of it? So. I love this topic and I want to hear more about what you can tell us about it. I'm, I'm ready. We, let's rock and roll. Okay. So I guess, first of all, how can e-commerce businesses break through these growth, uh, these uh, uh, plateaus without overwhelming themselves and their teams? Like just a simple, some simple strategies. So first of all, when you get to a growth plateau, just know that, you got there because of something you started doing. And a lot of times is you've either added a new marketing channel, you've added a new product, you've added lots of people in your team. So evaluate, let's talk about, we're talking about sales right now. First yep. things first, do you have products that do not sell, right? Just look at your assortment. Do you have a bloated product assortment? Because I do believe that a lot of times as, emerging entrepreneurs, we do feel like we need a lot of products to look like a big brand and to make sales like a big brand. But in reality, you only need very few products to make a lot of money. And this is why the fewer the products, the clearer your messaging is, 
the the easier it is <laughs> to run your business from a from an operational standpoint but more importantly the better it is for your audience to resonate with what you're selling and it allows you to add on different strategies for growth like there're literally only three ways you can build a brand if you get more new you get new customers you get them to buy more frequently or you increase their basket size period that's the only thing you can do but if you have a core set of products that people are so used to having it's so much easier to layer on the other strategies with a lot of simplicity i you know uh, it's interesting that you say that because i i work with a uh, uh, a pet brand mm -hmm. and they're great uh, they're eight figure company and all of a sudden they started to spread out from their core product which was a bed and then they got into shampoos and supplements and it killed it yes. and not not their main sales it was those were always going but just getting into something that didn't make sense uh ended up you know it was failure and they had to pull and they just they just lost on those two new uh product lines that they brought in and they spent a lot of money in development research and it just didn't make sense with the brand. So that's great. And by the way, just leveraging off of that, they have a lot of different patterns, sizes, yeah. colors, yeah. and styles that if you dive down into it, you might make eight figures, but what's profit? How much profit are you making? If you if you start to carve away at that and you're using that 80-20, you know, the Pareto principle, uh, that's when you really start to make money. Yes, yes, yes. And then also just, this is a thing that people tend to forget when they add a lot of products. There's a strategy to adding a product, right? It's, it's you have your best seller, but you have to ask yourself, what's the role of this new product you're adding? Are you adding it to bring incremental or new customers? Are you adding it to defend against competition? Like there's a science behind innovation, like what we call it. But if you don't have the, the research, the data behind it, that is why it becomes highly cannibalistic. And that's why new innovation products collapse. I like that you use that. I call it product cannibalization and you use the same terminology. Yep. We're on the same track. Yes. <laughs> yep. One of the um, the other strategies, uh, maybe we can dive into. I Kelsey warned you probably before we got on the podcast. I love going down different rabbit holes. Yeah, let's go. I'll, I'll throw you right off. But yeah. um, what about the strategy of introducing an add-on to help increase the sales? So let's say you're selling a knife. Maybe you've got a knife sharpener or uh, you know something that will entice somebody looking for that knife. To get to to buy it because now it's coming with, um, you know, inexpensive uh, add-on that just adds value to the product. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really good point. And I usually that this. So a lot of my strategies are centered around the consumer. I always tell people to think about the person that is using your product. When they are buying your product, they're also buying another product. And instead of going head to head with what else they're buying, I usually tell people to think about what's complementary to what you're selling. So like you talked about the knife, think about your customer. What is complementary to what to, to, to their knife? It could be a chopping board. It could be a, sharp, a, 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 a sharpener. It could be maybe, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, the, the place where to store their knife, like really think about their moment of choice. What are they using uh, complementary to what you're selling? That's usually a great strategy for adding on a product versus like you, Norm, you probably know this. A lot of people see my competitor added X, you go and add it. That's where a lot of times it fails because there was no strategy behind what you're adding and probably your your customer doesn't um operate in that reality like their moment of choices are to totally different you know uh, another thing and i'm just marking down if you see me typing a bit just some of your points just for show notes but uh another thing i'm wondering maybe we can even back up a little further is that pre-plateau planning so the signs that you're going to plateau First of all, are there any? 
And then is there anything that you can do for pre-plateau marketing? Yes. So signs you're going to pre-plateau is first things first for an e-commerce business is a bloated assortment. If you launch with too many products, it's going to catch up with you. Second thing, the second sign is if you do not have clarity on who your consumer is. Because if you don't have clarity on who your consumer is, your messaging and your marketing will eventually get diluted. Third thing that will, uh, will be a sign is if you don't have um, a system or some infrastructure that looks at the data that's coming into your business. So for example, I know when I, when I say data, people think I need to have the Oracle systems or the big brand system. No, 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 no I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like voice of customer feedback your reviews, your customer sentiments, like things that you're collecting on an everyday basis. If you're not taking a record of that, it's going to catch up with you. Why? Because you won't have a, a, a framework to figure out how to optimize and grow. And when you don't have that framework or that data source, you're going to start creating things in your mind. Right. <laughs> that sound good, right? <laughs> Especially in my mind. Ugh. Yes. <laughs> As creatives, that's what we do. But you go back and you're like, ah, no, I shouldn't have done this. The other thing is profit margins. If you launch initially and you don't have solid profits baked into every product you're selling, you're going to get into a cash crunch. Like those are the signs pre-plateau. Okay. Now, taking it from pre-plateau, pre pre-plateau and trying to market it, uh, what are some simple marketing techniques that you can do to, to help? Like you, let's take uh, like take your advice and we've slimmed down the bloating and we, we've you know taken all of those uh, issues out of the way. Now we've got this pre-plateau and now we want to kind of get over the chasm and start to see some extra sales. Are there any initial marketing strategies that you can do? Oh yeah, that's my zone of genius, marketing. Ah. Now, we're, now we're getting to the source. Okay, so first of all, pre-marketing, like marketing is so simple. Like what I usually tell people, think of marketing as an expression of the product you're selling. You're literally expressing the love behind your product. So what you need to have with, with the marketing is a very simple, clear strategy based out of where, you, where your customers are or the channel that you highly resonate with. Now, I'm going to pick social media right now because I think a lot of it's we're very, very familiar with social media. So for your social media strategy, first things first, before you even put any piece of content, think about relevancy in this season, right? What's a customer psychology right now in December? We're thinking about gifting, right? We're thinking about shopping. Ask yourself, how can your product tap into the your customer's relevancy right now? Then ask yourself what product is going to convey that messaging. And then make sure that simple message each week is being weaved into every single piece of content you're putting. I'm talking about your email. I'm talking about your social posts. I'm talking about your blog. When you have that system dialed in that starts with your customer psychology, then your, um, your messaging, then your channels, that is what marketing is. That is what will make sure you don't pre-plateau because when you start to grow, you're just dialing up the efforts you're not adding more. Do you see that? Yeah. Uh, and while you were talking, I, I was just thinking, I, and I've never done this before, but everything that you just said, if you could create a prompt around that and put it into ChatGPT, can ChatGPT be a help with trying to understand and, and bringing out these marketing strategies? Mm -hmm. it, it can. But the thing is, you've got to be clear on your brand's key message, what I call your big idea. ChatGPT will not give you your big idea. Right, right. Your yeah, big so idea stems inside of you. Like what's your deepest truth of why you created your product? Yeah, and that's one of the things we try to explain to our listeners is that sometimes ChatGPT takes as long as you try to figuring it out yourself. But yeah. 
um, you've got to take the time to really explain. And uh, now, which is great, that uh, you can create these uh, these chats that explain everything about you and bring out your tone and bring out your personality, um, your brand story. And then you can target not only your strategies, but also, and you mentioned this too, you've got to know your audience. So we always say you've, you've got to have that avatar uh, or, you know, you're, you're just marketing to the wind and nobody's going to buy it. Um, and the other thing is uh, your numbers. You yes. just mentioned it. Got to know, you know, you, you've got to know your landed costs. You got to know what your marketing budgets are. Uh, again, if you're, if you don't know these things, if, I always say, uh, Maureen, that we had a, a brand come to us and they were very excited. They were an eight figure brand. They were $10 million and they were very excited about this. And then we looked into the books and they were losing a hundred thousand dollars. So it, that top line never means anything. Yes. It's always a bottom line. Always. Right. And going back to what you say, it's just get rid of the garbage and it might bring down your sales, maybe to 7 million, but now these are more profitable and you'll actually have money to spend on these marketing campaigns. And when you have more profits, you can also add another channel. Oh yeah. Your channel strategy yeah. is an add on versus product. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm just looking down at uh, Simon's comment. Uh, if I'm making soap, Oh yeah. Simon use my product. Uh, if you're making soap, I could add sponges and towels, yeah. right? And yeah, yeah uh, for us, we make soap, uh, but we do soap dishes mm -hmm. and back scrubbers and yeah. all these little add-ons when they buy a subscription. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, exactly, Simon. Okay. Oh my gosh. Already talking so much. We're almost at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we talked about different strategies. What are the strategies? Like you've got these... Um, You've got all your, you've got your winning, you've got your winners and now they are plateauing. It's February sales start to peter off. Um, how do you avoid just plain exhaustion, like product exhaustion when you're trying all these new things? How do you know? Yeah. So, so, so the reason why the, this, this to me is what I see happen. The reason why entrepreneurs get exhausted is first of all there's this mindset that all products have to sell 247 i'm not sure where it came from but this is this this is my philosophy you need to have a portfolio strategy what i mean is there's a role for each product and you have to figure out based on your assortment which assortment is responsible for driving volume which assortment is responsible for incremental margins, which assortment is responsible for driving buzz potential, like new news, you want people to get us excited. Based on how you've laid out your assortment and the strategy for each assortment, you then need to decide at what time of the year am I going to be selling that? Because this is what I've noticed. A lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs really have two selling cycles and two selling seasons in a year. So they have this peak, two peak strategy that I call. They pretty much just focus on either gifting or holiday. And what I mean by gifting is Father's Day, Mother's Day, people run and do something and then wait all the way up until December to sell again. What that does, it's, it's, it's risky for your business because you're Every time you sell, and if you're running paid ads, a lot of people do that, you're going to increase your cash in order to capture a new customer. Then if you don't have anything next in your business, you won't have, like your, your cash flow will then dip. So you're constantly going to be in high stress, then, then you're down, up and down, versus having four times, four seasons in a year where your product is going to focus on always. Right. So you have, you, of course, the two ones are, are constant. You're always going to figure out a gifting and you're going to figure out um, a hot, uh, you're going to have Black Friday, the holiday. Now, think about two other times in the year where, first of all, wh where does your brand naturally fall into from a cultural standpoint? 
Like, what does your brand stand for? And can you tap into a cultural moment and make that your season? This could be like March, Women's History Month. Maybe you'll have something then. Then identify another time where you can do like a limited time offer in the year. What that does, it spread out your cash flow and your selling cycles throughout the year. So you're not burning out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I understand that. And even with our product, so we'll go back to soap. Uh, with our soap, I had a Colin Campbell. He's been on here. He wrote the books, uh, Start, Scale, Exit, Repeat. And he was looking at our, our company and he says, you know what? Uh, hate to tell you this, but you are wasting so much money on one-off sales throughout the year. He says, you're selling really great soap. Stick to holidays for your marketing. And exactly what you said, there's really two selling periods for us. And that's right now mm-hmm. or Mother Valentine's Day, Mother's Day. Yeah. And that's where we make most of our sales, those two period, fourth quarter and it around those holidays. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. And so what we would have wasted in one-off sales and what we get for subscription sales, first of all, your uh, your your order value goes up, your lifetime order value goes up because once they try it, they always stick with it. And uh it's not one bar, it's usually, you know, a package of three or five on a 12 month period. It's, it's great. I, once, once you figure out that strategy. Yeah. But anyway, I just want to say, I agreed with you. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I was, I was listening to you because I'm just like, it's so simple. And my head just went, simplicity is genius. But as entrepreneurs, we complicate. And I was looking at the question here somebody asking, how do I discipline myself from chasing new things? And, and so it's my head that was processing because I wanted to respond to what you said. It's like, simplicity is genius. Simplicity is where the money is at. But the reason why we chase shiny object syndrome stems from not having a clear strategy and a mm. clear plan. Because if you have the clarity and if you know this is my executional plan, you, you'll execute on it, right? Yeah, one of the one of the crazy well, one of the worst things I did, but it's a it's it's a great uh, organization, is I ended up signing up for Warriors Forum, you know, WSO, and they come out with uh, products that are just coming out, and every day uh, all of a sudden you're getting a new email, and you could get this new lifetime thing for forty nine bucks, which they then go to a one time offer, which brings it up to two ninety seven, which then goes up to a thousand bucks. So by the time you get out of the offer, you're spending over a thousand bucks. But it's crazy with everything that's happening with AI right now. And then if there's any new, especially when uh, PPC was coming out, Mm. uh, all these shiny objects were coming and surrounding Amazon and you can see it even with e-commerce sales or retail, but there's always these shiny objects and I'm bad for that. I really have to discipline myself because I'm one of those people that buy things and never watch, never use it, never, it will never log in, but I had to get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the same. I'm, I'm, I used to be like that, that but not with pro, uh, offers. For me, it's closed. Sometimes ah. I have tags and I'm like, why did I buy this? Like, <laughs> why did I buy this? I uh, see, I make it simple. I just have tag. a black t-shirt. Black t-shirt, I buy them. I don't have to worry about it. I have too okay. many colors because I like colors. <laughs> so we're at the bottom of the hour. And if mm-hmm. you're listening for the first time, uh, this is where we're going to tell you a little bit about Wheel of Kelsey. So this is a prize that we give away at the top of the hour. And it's something usually that our, our guests are providing. And today, Maureen, what are you providing? I'm providing a complimentary strategy call, particularly around this season. I want to help you create a 2024 plan for growth. Very good. So if you're interested in uh, in meeting up with uh, Maureen and having this strategy planning session, hashtag Wheel of Kelsey, 
tag two people and you'll get a second entry. And I can tell you this consult will be priceless. Maureen knows her stuff. So uh, we're going to enter as well. So Kelsey, make up a few names for us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go to a, uh, a sponsor and we'll be right back. Facing cash flow challenges with your e-commerce business? Discover Viably, your ultimate financial ally. From real-time sales data integrations to immediate funding access, Viably is here to support you. Plan your growth with their free tool for online sellers and engage with specialists whenever you need. Extend your cash flow with Viably. All right, we are back. And now let's start talking about um, some key metrics, uh, key metrics to helping identify untapped potential. Mm -hmm. Let's start. First, first things first, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep drumming this until people get it. First things, profits. You know, I, 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 as entrepreneurs, we need profits because first of all, profits is what, is what allows you to pay yourself, what allows you to get into big brand retail stores because that's what people ask me, how can I get into retail once I've grown my e-commerce business? It's what allows you to create innovation products that actually do really, really well. It's what allows you to get into a new channel. It allows you to do a lot of things. So first things first, it's profits. The second thing, the second metric that I really want to talk about is your marketing key performance indicators, like your customer acquisition costs, your cost per lead, like your lifetime value. Because once you know this, you'll be able to understand the effectiveness of what you're doing from a marketing perspective. I definitely feel like Shiny object comes from, it comes in two forms. It's either in new products or in new marketing strategies. But if you don't know whether what you're doing right now is profitable, it drives um, incremental growth, you're going to add on something else that again, strips away from the profits and also just exhausts you mentally. Because how you, how you market on TikTok is not how you market on Instagram, but people don't right. get that. Right. Yeah. You have to take each platform and see not only uh, your marketing strategy, but the demographics completely yes. different, you yes. know, from Pinterest over to TikTok or X or, you know, any of those platforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, um, I was just gonna, uh, there was another, uh, uh KPI I was just going to mention and I forget cause I'm old. Um, so I'll, it'll come back to me, you know, probably after the podcast, but <laughs> any other, uh, key metrics that you are, or KPIs that you can, um, think of, uh, outside, outside of, outside of marketing, something that's not forward facing a lot of times is backend operationally, like time. Like if you're making this, especially cause I talk to a lot of makers, my people make them at home. I'm like, are you. Are you tracking? Are you are you tracking how long it takes you to make? Are you tracking how much your team is spending? Like, are you looking at that? Because if if you're not looking at your labor efficiency and you don't uh, price appropriately, you could your cogs your cogs will be incorrect, right? You have to make sure your cost of goods you're measuring what feeds into that metric because right. that impacts your profitability. And there are so many little things that, that you could mess up. Yeah. And, and that goes back to if you're doing this on your own. So in mm -hmm. Amazon, we're talking about FBM, fulfilled by merchant, instead of having Amazon fulfill it or having a fulfillment house fulfill it. You're doing it yourself because you think you're saving money. But what is your time worth? And most likely if you're fulfilling this and going and getting a box and putting the, you know, whatever you're using for packing um, and then printing out the invoice and putting that packing list mm -hmm. on, it's probably taking you a lot longer. And we do time studies when we were doing this uh, back when my brother was shipping up all my, we were shipping about 300 soaps a day at one Ooh. point and he had to pack them up. Because he said he'd give me a hand. This is at my very beginning back in 2013 uh, with Amazon. And uh, anyways, we just found out that it's too much money. Yeah. We're wasting too much money. And the other thing I've noticed, uh, we would, we had, uh, we call them hot seats uh, mm. back in the day uh, in our mentoring program. And we would see, okay, these are your landed costs. 
okay, but you forgot about that little transparent yes. sticker. Oh, you forgot about this. Oh, you forgot about that. Oh, you forgot about, and, and now we had to take a look at other fees, long-term storage fees, yeah. your, your PPC costs, yes. your, and these are things that a lot of people don't take into consideration, but they, it's funny because uh, when I've talked to sellers, sometimes they said, oh, I didn't really think it counted. Well, mm. that half penny for that transparent sticker or for the shrink wrap or for the label or for the label design, um, these elements, they, they all have to be, they add up. They, they add up. Exactly. They add up, especially as you continue to grow and scale. That's when you notice. When you're little, you don't notice. But when you start to grow and scale, your labor expenses, your raw materials, your overhead expenses, definitely eating, eating up into everything. Right. And, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about what we, you can tell I'm Canadian because I said about uh, <laughs> the, uh, the time and effort as an entrepreneur mm. is very lonely yeah. and uh, you don't know it until you're in it a yeah. two feet and you're doing it all by yourself and you've got nobody to talk to really, unless you do join a mastermind or go yeah. out to events, uh, but your friends aren't going to, they just think you're the, you know, the crazy cat lady, but you're the crazy entrepreneur that nobody knows what you're doing. And uh, how do you, how do you uh, work with mindset? to overcome this lonely entrepreneurial uh, or entrepreneur. What am I trying to say? How do you have, what's the proper mindset to get over this? To, to, to who oh, that's a very, that's a very good question because I think everybody battles with it as on, as an entrepreneurship. I think for me, let me speak for my, my, for myself and how I navigate this is I know my why. My why is so deep why I'm doing this that I'm willing to be lonely for however long it takes to make the impact I need to make. However, I do know for a lot of people that can be can be like, ah, it doesn't help. How I what I recommend is get into containers with people like you. Like pay to play this game. I do pay to play this game because sometimes there are days where you wake up and you're like, no, nah, I don't feel like doing. And then I open up my mastermind group chat. And I'm like, everybody's killing it. Okay, then Maureen, get, get your butt up. Let's go. So sometimes if you can do it, I have people who can do it on their own and I have others who cannot. So ask yourself as a person, do I need to be in a community? If you do, just make it a part of your PNL. Like, I, I have a line that says Maureen's professional development. Some months I have it, some months I don't have it. Just depends. That's how I would deal with it. Yeah, that's that's a, a very good answer. Uh, just getting out, meeting people. If you have to keep it inside uh, and you're just trying to grow your own business, first of all, you're not an expert in everything. You might be doing strategies that are killing mm -hmm. your business. Uh, the the, the different components of a business from accounting, operations, marketing, sales. Uh, if you're trying to do this all themselves, all yourselves, uh, it's not helping. If you're afraid to spend a little bit of money to get a little bit of pressure off your back by getting a VA, once you get to that stage, you're, it's, it's just, you're killing yourself and you're killing your business. Now, one of the areas that uh, we look at is accountability. So if you have, uh, if you join a, a group or maybe you have somebody that's in your own town or you do a local meetup, uh, you could talk to your meetup and see if you could group up with accountability partners and then you hold each other accountable for getting whatever you need to be done during that week or the month while your next meeting before your next meeting. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be very helpful. Yeah. Stresses me out a little bit because if I fall behind, Yes. And I'm very, and I'm very, I am crazy competitive. So if somebody gets one up on me, um, I've got to get the next two up on them. <laughs> yes, same here. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's see. I'm just seeing if mm -hmm. I've got some. I've put put down a few notes here as as we've been talking. You've brought up some really great points. 
But how about this? Can you give us uh, some steps for handling uh, your growth challenges mm. uh, in the e-commerce business without hurting your team's well-being? Mm. That's a good one. That's a really good one. You know why? I think first, first, first thing is self-management. Mm-hmm. You, you manage yourself first as a CEO before you get it to your team. So how I see this happen with my people is CEOs have a new idea before processing how the idea can, can happen, they jump and tell their team. When you jump and tell your team, your team feels like immediately they have to react and implement it. So manage, first of all, ask you, evaluate, self-management and evaluate. When I get a new idea, is it a now idea? Is it a later idea? If it's a later idea, how will it work before you tell your team? The second thing that I usually tell people is have, have a clear direction each month on what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to go after. And I say this because a lot of times people hire me as fractional CMO, like creating their marketing strategy, managing the entire marketing team. And when they do that, they, they, they come to me at a point where they feel like they're tired of managing their team and they need to come in between. And my role, typically what I've noticed I'm doing is I'm making sure I know exactly what the CEO wants. I devise a plan for how that is going to work before I tell the team. So when for to make to make sure your team doesn't burn out, they need to know why they're doing what they're doing and how that's going to impact. So make sure you're communicating the vision clearly so that your team can go after it. And then the third thing is stick to your plan. Don't if you deviate, have a reason why you're deviating. I do know we we we, we are very reactive, but you don't need to react to every trend. And I'm saying this because this year, if you guys know, the Barbie thing came up. There was a, there were a group of people that jumped on the Barbie trend. There was another group of people that didn't jump on the Barbie trend. And I tell my people, you don't have to jump on all trends. It's like threads, when threads came out. Oh my God, that happened this year? Been a long year. People felt like they needed to be on the threads app. Right. And I'm like, you, why are you on the threads app? Like, what's the role of threads in your business? What's the philosophy behind you jumping on? Like, really, really make sure you know why you're doing some things and also know you don't need to jump on any trend unless you have to. I, I'd like to also add, just talking about threads, uh, another communications uh, mm. is that you have to have that time for yourself during the day. And that's to get your job done. And I've talked about this before. I, I know like Steve, uh, I just see a message from Steve or he just entered the wheel of Kelsey, but you know, Steve and Simon and Rad and uh, you know, drip, now, all these guys have heard uh, me talk about this and that is uh, getting a, funnel for your communication. And I use uh, something called Rambox, where it takes all my Slack, my Skype, my WhatsApp, my WeChat, my everything, puts it into one channel. And I just have somebody uh, like my, uh, my uh, executive assistant, who's listening right now, who makes all the uh, the, the notes, uh, or timestamps for the, the podcast. But um, Mary just goes in and she, if there's something urgent, she lets me know. And mm. I can turn it off a hundred percent. And people wonder, oh, you never got back to me for two hours. Well, yeah, because I tuned everything out so Focus I could get my work down. Mm. And that's probably one of the biggest, uh, probably, probably the single biggest thing I've ever done for my business is being able to just to tune everything out yeah. and get yeah. my, my main priorities done for the day, my next set. And I don't have to, Every time I see a little red dot, you know, oh, there's a new message. I don't have to even see it. I don't even open it mm -hmm. because if there's an emergency, I know Mary, I know you will Mary, but I know Mary will get a hold of me, uh, you know, somehow with our uh, urgent email. Yes, so, that's so true. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring that out. The other, um, I guess the other thing is, Kels, I thought there was more than one question. I thought I saw there's, a There's a question questions. here about, um, you said you need to know your customers. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. So, Kels, why don't you read that one out? Yeah, there are a couple of questions that you guys already talked about the answers okay. for them. Um, so this one's from Alexander. Uh, you said you need to know your customers. There's much talk recently uh, that one needed to know who are his customers before launching the product. Can you give an example of how this works, maybe like step-by-step -step kind of process that you have yeah. uh, as an example using wooden furniture? Great, great point. Yeah, because I'm I consume the same content all of you consume, and I feel like people say know your customers, but don't tell you what that means. And so, using your example for the wooden furniture, the first thing I would do is, I don't know what type of wooden furniture it is. I'll I'll make an example. Let's say it's a, a chair, right? Why do they want to use that chair, right? Is it and what type of chair is it? So really think about. I use, I, think I use it like the moment of choice. Moment of choice is the why behind they would buy this. When you know the why behind they would buy this, you'll get into the, their psychology. So if it's a DIY chair, do, do, they want to do it for themselves. It means that this person generally likes to do things for themselves. So what's the psychology behind that? It could be they're a creative. It could be they just love being at home it could be they express themselves uh, they express their love through doing things when you tap you see i'm tapping into their psychology and their behavior that's how you know your customer now if i tap into if i use the the the, the statement i used around they're a creative and they love to create things how does their day-to-day -day look like so what on a monday what does a creative person do they're probably waking up, they have an idea, they write it either on their iPhone notepad, and then they want to implement. So you use that behavior to communicate and convey that in, their, in your marketing. Hey, creative, I know you have an idea. You're thinking about something that you want to put together for, you, for your loved one. This is my process of how you can craft this wooden thing. That's how you get to know your customer. I'm not talking about the demographics. I'm not talking about their zip code and the, 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 the face value. I'm talking about the psychology and their behavior because in order for them to buy, you have to tap into their psychology to trigger their purchasing decision. Got it. And you, you, just for me, knowing your, your audience, uh, I, I'm just going to just dumb it down. If I'm selling a product, just soap, to everybody without knowing my audience, I'm throwing my money away because I don't know who's going to buy what and I can't target them. If I know that I'm selling my soap to mutters, and these are crazy people who like to do crazy obstacle courses and go through mud and mm. climb ropes, I know I can target that specific audience with my Dead Sea Mud Soap and create a campaign called Get Clean With Mud, which is going to resonate with those mudders and the conversion rate is going to be that much higher. But I have to know who that is. And that's why it's so important that you know that audience, even though you have wooden furniture. Okay, if you go out there and you sell wooden furniture to the masses, well, who are they? Is it, what type of furniture is it? Is mm -hmm. it an Ikea style furniture mm -hmm. where it's more contemporary or, and very inexpensive? Or are you looking at a more expensive audience, mm -hmm. you know, that uh, mid to upper income people or Mennonite furniture, people looking specifically for that softwood or hardwood um, uh, types of wood. Uh, there's all sorts of different things to take yeah. into consideration. And I can tell you there's a, a couple of things here that we can help out. First, um, Rand, uh, Rand Fishkin, the guy who uh, founded Moz, uh, he came on the podcast and he was telling us that he has an app called Spark Toro. And that'll show you uh, what other uh, your competition is doing. Who are they targeting with your style of product? And it's very inexpensive. Uh, I think it was like 49 bucks for the month and you get so many searches. Uh, then the other thing, I'm going to put it in, Kels, I'm going to, I can't post it, but I'm going to put it into our chat. We did this last time with Mark uh, DeGrasse and this is the avatar. Very simple. 
to add this avatar. You can post that. This is a prompt that makes it very easy. Mark's the president of uh, Digital Marketer. But this is new. I didn't post this the last time. But one of the things that Digital Marketer talks about is understanding your customer's value journey. And this is a prompt for that, that he just put out. And um, this, I, I like, I can't express how important it is to know those things. And, and also the lifetime value of your, your customer. If you don't understand that, you won't know what to spend or how often to spend. Yeah. And just being long-winded, I know that if somebody's going to buy a bar of soap for the first time, I can spend $10 for that bar of soap because I know that that person's going to come back and over a period of a year, buy 12 more bars of soap for me. So yep. pretty easy. Now, any other questions, Kels? Uh, no, I think that's it. Like I said, we covered most of it. Um, All right. Yeah. We so covered a lot. Yeah. So Maureen, before we uh, go over to the Wheel of Kelsey, is there anything else that I missed out on? No, I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> okay. I think I definitely think maybe the next will be a, what 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 are the next steps after hearing this? Because we talked a lot about things you can do. Yeah. To summarize, first of all, is just now that you've given them the prompt of the as customer avatar, is go and create that for yourself. Because I will show you the opportunities that exist in your business right now if you're experiencing a growth plateau. Then I think the second thing would be go and literally take a deeper look, like comb through your cogs, your cost of goods, your numbers, like really look at that to see if you're, miss, you're having some profit licks. And then the third thing I would say would be uh, look at your assortment. Do you have too many things and devise how am I going to distribute what I'm selling in the upcoming year? I think those are three steps to take in order to get started in this. I um, I was going to ask you about tools and I was doing some research the other day. Somebody asked uh, something about uh, uh, spreadsheets and I went on YouTube and there's a channel called um, I think it's Amazon spreadsheets or spreadsheets for Amazon. The guy does a full channel with <laughs> tons of uh, free spreadsheets that you can download. And one of them is for profit and loss mm. uh, to understand that and put all of your uh, landed costs or all of your cost of goods into it to really find out where your profitability is. And uh, if you check it out, I and I forget, I bookmarked it but it's either spreadsheets for Amazon or Amazon spreadsheets. And the guy comes out with like regular, uh, um, uh, regular uh, episodes on how to fill them out. It's very, very good. And the other uh, thing for our uh, listeners too is FBA Excel. They have a bunch of uh, spreadsheets that you can work with. Uh, he's been on before. Uh, and hopefully we can get them back on, but FBA Excel has a really excellent program when it comes to spreadsheets. Uh, last question, I, I think for you is, do you have any apps or tools that you can recommend? For looking at your numbers? Uh, yeah, for, for anything we talked about today. Oh man, I have one, but it's not coming off the top of my head. Can I send it to you and I'll, you can drop sure. it in the show notes? Yes, is this new, there's a company that has built a, da a dashboard where you integrate all the things that are happening in your business and you can see the performance. Oh, it's really cool. I, I wish I, I'll, I'll, I'll email you. And okay. Yeah. And we'll put that into our group. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing, probably the most important thing, Maureen, how do people get in contact with you? Oh, the best way to get in contact, first of all, is if, if you're listening to this, you're probably a lover of podcasts. I also have a podcast that's called the product entrepreneur uh, podcast. A lot of my podcast content is on all things marketing, particularly if you're thinking about selling on e-commerce or getting into retail. And um, if you want to hang out with me, talk to me, my my platform of choice is Instagram. You can go to my, my, my name is Maureen Mwangi Official. You'll see my face and I'm there. Want to learn more about our services? It would be my website, www.startwoodconsulting.com. All right. Very good. Mm -hmm. And what is my dog bringing me? 
Thank you. Ah, oh, Connie, look what he's got. Sock. <laughs> oh, a hair tie. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's see. I think that's it. I got a read, right, Kels? Like every episode now. Uh, here we go. A live read. Let's talk about seller basics. All right. Hey, Amazon sellers faced with account suspensions, ACE and hiccups, or IP headaches, introducing Seller Basics, your Amazon accounts guardian. With just $99 a month, Seller Basics offers a dedicated team to shield your business from these challenges. Plus, this membership offers free legal consultation, consultations from seasoned e-commerce attorneys, no long-term contracts, Cancel with just a month's notice. View Seller Basics as your account health plan. Check it out at sellerbasics.com. And now for the disclaimer, Seller Basics isn't an insurer or a law firm. Consultations from our consultations come from independent firms. Results may vary. Memberships needed before events leading to claims and terms apply. That's it. And now I think we can go over to the Wheel of Kelsey. It's time for the Wheel of Kelsey. All right. Is the Wheel of Kelsey. I'm going to shuffle these up. We do this every single today. podcast. And Maureen, you're popular. Is. All right. Who's like gonna get it? Oh, be... you might as well just. Yep. Ooh. All right, Grim, All right. you got All it. Right. Got it. Okay. All right. What a that is a great uh, prize today. So that's it. You awesome. are off the hook. <laughs> this was awesome. Thank you for having me. Want more great information? Don't forget to subscribe by clicking here. Also. If you want to check out our latest podcast, click over here. Entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur.